Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,131. This week we're celebrating the 71st annual Pebble Beach Concours de Elegance. It takes place Sunday, August 21st at the Lodge in Pebble Beach, California. To get tickets and learn more, go to pebblebeachconcours.net. I hope to see you there. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Sleepy Hollow, New York, with a very special returning guest by the name of Jim Glickenhaus. Jim, welcome back to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I'm all set. It's great to be back. Well, thank you very much. Uh, regular listeners will remember that Jim was a guest back in April of 2017, so it's been a while. And boy, have you accomplished a huge amount of things since then. And I'm going to give you a proper introduction. We're going to talk about some of the incredible successes that you've had. But I don't think I asked you this when you are on the show before, Jim. I ask all my guests these days, is there one little thing you could share with us that maybe people don't know about you? Oh, I'm not sure. I mean... I'm so out there on the net and on social media and on television and things. I, I really don't think there is. I think, uh, <laughs> Everything's exposed? Yeah. What I'll do is give you a proper introduction. We're going to talk about some of the incredible things that you've done this year. Jim Glickenhaus is the founder of Scuderia Cameron Glickenhaus, where they design and create not just cars, but dreams. He and his team compete in the toughest races in the world, including the 24 Hours of Nürburgring, the Baja 1000, and the 24 Hours of Le Mans. The vehicles they design and build compete in these events, and they take those winners and create road legal versions, transforming endurance race cars into daily drivers. This year, they were the first American manufacturer to podium at the 24-Hour Le Mans since 1967. Incredible. They finished this year's 24 Hours of Nürburgring first in class, P12 overall, and they finished third overall at the 1,000 Miles of Sebring, and it was the first time there. Incredible. In a Ville DS Concord Elegance, Jim unveiled their SCG004CS to the world, a supercar-like no other. We'll be back in a minute to learn more, but first a word from our sponsors. So please give them a little love. They're the reason we're here. Buckle up. We'll be right back. My friends at Covercraft offer you 10 different options. That's right, 10 for your vehicle's protection. You can choose from Weather Shield HP, HD, Sunbrella, Ultratect, Reflect, Form Fit, Custom View Shield, and their newest five layer all climate cover, three layer moderate climate cover, and a five layer indoor option. You have all sorts of ways to protect your car. All of these are custom tailored by Covercraft's talented craftspeople. It's the form and fit with the quality to attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. Surface protection is the best way to preserve the investment you've made in your vehicles. It's what I do. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft too. I have a Covercraft cover for every one of my vehicles, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21, at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off your order, plus you get free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. 
American Collectors Insurance is your go-to to protect your classic and vintage cars. But did you know they also insure your valuable collections of automobilia and other collectibles? If you're like me, you've invested in a lot of cool collectibles over the years. Those items are valuable. And if you were to lose them in a theft or a fire, well, try to get your normal homeowner's insurance to pay you what they're worth. Good luck with that. American Collectors Insurance provides you with assurance and confidence that your collectibles are fully covered. They insure a lot of items, including automobilia, wine, baseball cards, books, figurines, die-cast models, model trains, glassware, sports memorabilia, toys, and a whole lot more. American Collectors Insurance, they've been protecting us enthusiasts since 1976. They provide you with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a long history of taking care of their clients. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them your friend of mine, Mark Rains here at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. So, Jim, my goodness, you have been busy since the last time you were on the show. This passion you have for endurance racing and then bringing these vehicles to the road for those of us who don't endurance race is absolutely incredible. Where did the passion come from to to move into this arena? Because... I mean, you're just taking things by storm. Was there some inspiration from someone that drove you here, or was this something you had in your mind all along? Well, I always loved cars, and I always loved endurance racing, and I loved race cars that could be put on the road. And as my film career blossomed, I took some money, and I started a little collection of Le Mans cars, so cars that had raced at Le Mans or in the world championship of banks against each other. And I wound up with a number of them, which I road converted and drove on the road. I have the Ford Mark IV that Mark Donahue and Bruce McLaren finished fourth at Le Mans in 1967. I have the Ferrari P34 that Chris Amon and Lorenzo Bandini won the 24 Hours of Daytona in in 1967. And I have the 412P that finished third overall at Spa, getting Ferrari the points it needed to win the 1967 Manufacturer Championship. And I love driving these cars on the road, and they were time machines for me. And I was lucky enough when I was a young boy to have met Mr. Kennedy. I bicycled to his shop. I became a friend. I ran and got parts for him. And he really introduced me to the world of racing and taught me that no matter how great a car was that he bought from Ferrari, it could be made better. And I think it's interesting and ironic that the last time Ferrari finished first overall at the 24 Hours of Le Mans, was in 1965 in a car entered and modified by Luigi Canetti. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's just incredible. And, and the vehicles you have and the way you use them, I really admire you for that. I, I want to talk about 
some of these vehicles that you're building right now. And I'm going to start off-road because I used to live down in Southern California and I got to do a pre-run with a guy that was going to run the 1000. I thought my kidneys were going to explode after a couple hours in that thing uh, back in the old days. But let's first talk about this uh, Baja 1000 vehicle you've been working on and you've built. I know this is audio only, but can you describe to our listeners, first and foremost, what drove you, excuse the pun, to build this thing, and then what it is, because it is super cool. Well, basically, in 1967, an engineer, Vic Hinkey, who engineered the Lunar Rover, was in love with the Baja and off-road vehicles. So he took the money that he got to build the Lunar Rover and raise some other money and built a vehicle for Steve McQueen, which was really quite revolutionary in its layout and in the amount of suspension travel it had that was called the Baja Boot, that Steve McQueen raced successfully, winning the Baja 500, beating the Ford Bronco team and in 1967. And years later, the vehicle came up for auction, and I really knew nothing about it, but I just thought it was really amazing and uh, worth owning, so I bid on it and bought it. And the one thing I was so impressed with when I drove the vehicle was actually how comfortable it was over brutal terrain. And I got the idea that if we could make a modern version incorporating the engineering that Vic had done, we could have a vehicle that you could comfortably drive from New York to Ensenada, race the Baja, and then drive back home. <laughs> I love it. And it wouldn't beat you up. So that was really the inspiration for it. And now we've engineered and will soon be delivery, delivering to customers four-door versions of it. And to me, it's the ultimate four-door or utility vehicle uh, that you really want to be driving when uh, Mad Max comes over the horizon. <laughs> You know, I love this thing, and I've watched you guys, followed you and your team, the development of this, and the way you've developed it and taken it out there, and it's just, it's wonderful. It's just love it. And I, I like the way you describe that. Let's move into supercars, because you unveiled an incredible car at Villa Dest, uh, the Concorde down there, the 4CS. Explain the best you can from a visual standpoint. First, where did that car start? Where did the inspiration come from and where we end up today? Because it's stunning. Well, I think that as uh, Picasso said, all artists steal, great artists steal a lot. You know, I'm the first to admit that the inspiration for the 004 came from a number of cars. There was a concept car called the uh, Corvette Indy, which really inspired me. Uh, there was Dino Competizione with its front and its rear wing. And um, my idea was, you know, we had built a very expensive hypercar that we sell for about $2.5 million that's a, really as close to the uh, Nürburgring race car, the 003S that you could possibly get. But I wanted to build a car that was more accessible price-wise. It was an analog car that you could buy with a uh, manual gearbox, or if you wanted more horsepower, you could get paddles. And I love the idea of the three-seater, which was first actually done in 1924 in Germany by a company, the Tufelwagen, 
which appeared in Fritz Lang's Metropolis, and then later in a Ford concept car in 1954. It was then done by Ghia. It was then done by Ferrari in the Triposti, and then eventually it was done by uh, Gordon Murray in the McLaren F1. But the idea of the center driver was interesting to me because you have great visibility. You are in the center of the car. It's like driving a single-seater. And if you drive the car in Europe or you drive it in England or if you then drive it in the United States, you have great visibility. So my idea was, can I pen a beautiful shape and that pays an homage to the cars I previously mentioned that is an analog car, a basic sports car, lightweight, a lot of horsepower, great handling, and that you can use every day. And that was what we set out to do with our 004s. We are just finishing the massive task of crash testing and developing ESC traction control and ABS. And uh, the first batch of 10 customer cars, we will soon begin building and delivering. And we have pre-orders for over 300 vehicles. Oh, my gosh. So wow, this is very exciting. Uh, Very exciting. Yeah, incredibly exciting. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. And and let's dive now into the 007 hypercar. Oh, my. Tell us about that. Well, the 007 was made possible by a change in the rules uh, for the top class at Le Mans. I think the ACO realized that the cost of um, top class racing had become untenable. It was so high that people like Porsche and Audi said no more. And they wanted to make a class that was less expensive to enter and basically more accessible visually and to fans as something you believed you could drive on the road. You know, the LMP1s were amazing vehicles, but they were closer to being... Uh, fighter jet and car. So that enabled me to enter, and it's been a long journey, and I don't think people realize the difficulty of a small private team going up against the automotive giants of Toyota, uh, Peugeot, uh, Porsche, Ferrari. It's just an incredible thing. And that, you know, I think a lot of people thought our car would be a joke, but we got the pole at Spa. We uh, finished on the podium at Sebring. And uh, we finished third overall at Le Mans, which is an amazing accomplishment. And now we are hoping to sell customer cars and to put together a program for 2023. And uh, if that happens, I think it will be very exciting times. Well, Jim, I was so proud watching you guys at Le Mans, what you guys did. I mean, I think you ruffled lots and lots of feathers and opened a lot of eyes with what you and your team did. It was just absolutely mind-blowing and my hat's off to you guys and what you did are you going to be bringing any vehicles to pebble beach or to monterey car week this year yes we are planning to bring one of our lamal hypercar 007s fresh from lamal uh to uh pebble beach on the lawn and it's the first time in a hundred years that you know this is the hundredth anniversary of uh Le Mans, even though I think next year is actually it, for some reason Pebble Beach has decided this year is it. Uh, but I think it's the first time that I've ever heard of that they will have a modern current car on the lawn being judged at Pebble Beach. So we're very excited about that. 
Well, I can't wait to see you in the car there. I think last time I saw you at Pebble uh, was when they had all the uh, Ford GT40s that you had your Le Mans winning car there. And then that incredible lineup of vehicles was just, <laughs> that was mind blowing. Only to be outdone by the Porsche 917s. Of course, if you're into Porsche 917s, a few people are, but uh, yeah, they bring some incredible things. So I'm very excited about that. You know, back to what I call driving inspirations. You have this fire in you to do what you've been doing. Is there somebody, and we spoke a little bit about this last time you were on the show about your father and the inspiration that he was in your life, but is there somebody in the racing world, the car world, that was a great inspiration and maybe continues to be for you today? Well, absolutely. I think people like Briggs Cunningham, uh, Jim Hall, Carol Shelby, um, the great privateers, Jean Mondo, um, Henri Pescoaldo. I mean, people who stood up against the giants, they were all inspirations and I follow in their footsteps. Uh, Indeed, you do. (laughs) That's for sure. We're going to take a short break. We come back. I want to talk about... Get back to Le Mans because the challenge there, and it might be some of the other endurance races, had to have been insane. And I want you to talk about one of the biggest challenges as you guys geared up and tooled up and, and created a car for that. So keep the seatbelts tight. We're with Jim Glickenhouse today, riding fast. We'll be right back. You listeners know I've been into car care my entire life. I am so excited to team up with AutoGeek in 2022. AutoGeek.net has been a leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, and expert knowledge for more than 20 years. What started in 1997 as a mail order catalog company has grown into a multi-website based e-commerce store that they are today. With a large online presence on its own website featuring close to 100 different brands, AutoGeek has grown to be the largest car care retailer in the country. AutoGeek's wholesale program serves accounts in over 30 countries and its retail sector ships worldwide. Go to autogeek.net for the best product selection on the internet today and their stellar technical support. autogeek.net. It's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. Being a professional automotive technician today requires an understanding of technology, computers, and electrical systems that are highly advanced and very complex. Cars yeah is pleased to support TechForce Foundation. It's one of our charities of choice and its efforts to help young people pursue the technical education and careers as automotive techs. Through scholarships, grants, and good old-fashioned hands-on experience with cars, trucks, boats, and more, TechForce and Carsia are working to connect young people with viable careers in the automotive sector. Join us by visiting techforce.org today. 
So Jim, the big challenge question here is always about something that pushes you to the edge, but more importantly, teaches you an incredibly valuable lesson is when we get out there in the marbles that we learn the uh, the limits of the vehicles. Uh, what was a big, big, and I'm sure there were lots to choose from, but a, a really massive challenge with, with going to Le Mans and being on the podium? Uh, there are several. I mean, the reason we race is we learn uh, what makes a great road car. You know, we figure that a 24-hour race is really like 100,000 very hard miles on the road. So we learn how systems hold up, how parts hold up, how cars perform, how tires perform, how suspension perform, how engines perform, how you have to keep them cool. Because while it's very challenging to keep a race car cool at Le Mans on a 100-degree day, it's also very challenging to keep a road car in stop-and-go traffic on an L.A. freeway uh, on a 100-degree day. So uh, you really do learn a lot, and that's why we race. The challenges, I think, are also mental. I think you have to realize that what you're trying to do is very difficult. There'll be good days. There'll be bad days. And uh, just to keep yourself grounded and not let things get you down when they go the wrong way and, frankly, not get too happy when they go the right way. (laughs) There you go. Wise words. Well, I know you're always looking forward because you're a racer, you build racers, you build wonderful street cars. So that means always looking way down the track for what's to come. Is there anything on your bucket list of what might be next in your world? No, I think that we're moving to what I wanted to do, which is to have a small company that builds great road vehicle sports cars and, and road vehicle Baja race trucks. And, uh, The other thing is that we are moving to trying to make a better future for the world with our zero-admission hydrogen fuel cell trucks, uh, starting with a pickup truck, which we feel are a very viable solution for zero admissions. You know, we think there is a place for battery electric vehicles, but we don't think by any stretch of the imagination it's the only solution. Um, I think that if you have a battery electric vehicle, there are problems with it in the winter in terms of range. There are problems with it on very hot days. If you park it, the air conditioning for the batteries has to turn on. This reduces range. So we think that a vehicle that you get in and drive um, from home, do errands and come home in, uh, battery electric is a very good answer. Uh, We think if you're willing to look at a long-distance car trip differently than you would, um, and you're willing to add hours and even days finding service centers, uh, charging stations, and plugging yourself in, um, that's okay. But for fleets that have to be available 24-7, 365, you know, if they're plugged into the wall and they have to go out on an emergency call at 3 in the morning, um, their battery electric pickup truck is worthless to them. Also, battery electric pickup trucks carry 1,800 pounds of batteries, which is 1,800 pounds less of towing capacity and load. So we feel that uh, hydrogen fuel cells, which is zero emissions, and we have developed a refueling solution, uh, which is uh, very quick and simple. We can refuel the vehicle in 15 seconds uh, from a depot so that our first sales we see is being to fleets who will go out and use them for 300 miles, come home, and then refuel and then go out again. So that is sort of on our bucket list to get that going. 
You know, I'm happy to hear this. I've had a lot of people on the show here that are developing battery technology, but all of them, even though they're focused on batteries and EVs, have said what you just said. And they said that can't be the only solution. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on hydrogen seems like such a viable option, but we just... We don't hear about it. Is that because the government isn't pushing it or is it more difficult in some way? But it seems so logical. Well, I think it is logical. I think there are huge projects to produce completely green hydrogen. I'm not convinced that electricity is completely green. And there are some dirty little secrets about batteries where, you know, mining the uh, rare earth materials needed is still done by child slaves in places. So we think it's going to happen. I think we need people who are nimble and quick like us to bring it to the market because I think that, you know, if left to the large OEMs, they will get there, but it will take too long. So we are hoping to be first to the market with a prototype of the hydrogen fuel cell pickup truck next year that fleets could begin testing and then we are prepared to begin producing them and we think that that's a totally viable future and in the future we see aircraft being hydrogen fuel cell we see uh, big container ships being hydrogen fuel cell we see the port of uh, Los Angeles being hydrogen fuel cell and other ports and uh, we're really looking forward to it. And it's incredible. I love it. So this may be a difficult question, like asking, which is your favorite child? But is there one really special vehicle in your life? You have so many great vehicles, not only the cars you've collected, but the cars you're building. This could go back to your first car. But is there one vehicle, if you had to just pick one today that really stands out, maybe in your heart, less so in your mind, what would it be? Well, I think the one that I I daily drive is the 004 Yes, I think that that is the real, really the distillation of everything that's good with sports cars. It's light, it's fast, it's durable, it can hold up to bumper to bumper traffic. It looks pretty good, <laughs> yeah. and it's a very enjoyable thing to to drive. So that's really my favorite vehicle. And that's your daily driver. Oh my goodness! Well, you're you're walking your talk, which you've always done, but that's pretty darn cool. Uh, that must make you feel pretty good driving that car daily and a car that you created, knowing what went into it. Because so many people take just their cars for granted, even a basic vehicle, the effort that went in to get that thing on the road. So uh, that's pretty darn cool. Well, I'm going to be your car psychologist today. This might be an odd question, but I really want you to dig deep for me, Jim. If you were reincarnated, not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself, the man in the mirror, as a vehicle, what would Jim Glickenhaus be? But more importantly, why? Oh, I would be a lot of things. But I think if, um, you know, I had uh, the ability to change things, I would probably want to do what other people do which is to go back in time a little bit so I would have more time going forward. But if I could be where I am today, uh, 50 years ago or 30 years ago, um, I think I could witness amazing things and changes. Um, I think our company will, and I think my children and my grandchildren will see it, and hopefully uh, I'll have a number of years to enjoy it. But that's really the only thing I would wish for would be a bit more time. 
Oh, yeah. Don't we all want that? Time is the enemy that keeps marching forward. I like to ask people how they like to give back specifically to the automotive sector. I see you as creating jobs, which to me is one of the most important things anybody can have is a way to self-support themselves, a job. And you create jobs. Is that how you perceive yourself as a, I know it's not philanthropy, but in a way I kind of look at it like that. Well, my family has been philanthropic for a long time. There is the Glickenhaus Foundation where we have stood up uh, for justice. You know, we financed the lawsuit that bankrupted the Ku Klux Klan. We financed the lawsuit that bankrupted the white Aryan nation. We have supported Doctors Without Borders. We have uh, supported projects that brought fresh, clean drinking water to people throughout the world. We have funded a lot of medical research. You can find our family name on hospitals in a lot of cultural places like Lincoln Center. We supported uh, art and the opera and things. And I think if you're lucky enough to have made some money. I think you have an obligation to support people that need it. Uh, We're supporting refugees from Ukraine. Um, We're doing a lot of things like that. And in our little company, it's it's a little bit more than just creating jobs. I think we're creating dream jobs Mm -hmm. that enable people to do things that they've dreamt about. And that's a wonderful thing. Absolutely. Uh, Wonderful. So is there a great book since we last spoke that you've read that you'd like to share with our listeners? I think there, there are a lot of great books, but I think that the quintessential book for me, there are two of them, really. There's Mark Donahue's The Unfair Advantage, yep. because I think that spans an enormous amount of racing in a very interesting way. And then there's the book A French Kiss with Death, which is sort of about Steve McQueen's obsession to make the movie Le Mans and the development of the 917 taking it from a widow maker to a winner. And I think both those books are well worth reading. Excellent books. Yeah, I recently had David Donahue on the show, talked a lot about, well, that book was the one he recommended, of course, and his father and so forth. Yeah, the great Mark Donahue. So I'm going to enable you to go on the ultimate drive. This almost seems a bit silly, but I'm going to ask it of you anyway, Jim. Today, I'm going to open a massive checkbook. Money's no object. I'm going to buy you or provide you with any vehicle in the world you can take it anywhere and here's the key you can take anybody with you even somebody who's passed which opens up the world to all sorts of things for jim gluckenhaus who has made and taken many ultimate drives what would be pretty special for you today with all those uh, criteria lined up in place well first of all i'd like to say that uh, you know i have great respect for anyone that drives a car that they love with someone they love. And I personally don't think that it matters what the car is. I mean, I have so many enjoyable memories of driving with my wife, Meg, who I've been married to for over 52 years in a VW bug. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, going on road trips and pulling over and having a picnic and uh, enjoying myself. So, you know, my future drive would be just being in a car I love with someone I love, uh, probably on a beautiful scenic road in Sicily or uh, the Pacific Coast Highway or upstate New York or Vermont in the fall and uh, doing that. The most interesting 
drive. I've had a lot of interesting drives. I mean, I drove with Nito Vaccarella in my P3-4 that he uh, raced twice in the Targo Florio. And Nito and I drove um, from the start line to Cherita and alternated. And that was an amazing drive. And I've driven with Gerald Barus and Rene Arnault and uh, Jackie Ickes in my P4-5. And those have been amazing things. But I, I think the... The most amazing rides I've had were um, when I was in college and I was hitchhiking all over California. I had hitchhiked down to L.A. uh, to spend some time, spend the weekend with a girlfriend. And then I had to hitch back to uh, UC Santa Barbara on Sunday. And I was standing on the uh, entrance of Sunset Boulevard with my thumb out. And a red 275 GTB4 pulled over with a beautiful woman who had long blonde hair. She was wearing a yellow outfit, I remember. I think it was a pantsuit. And she said, well, you know, I'm not going up to Santa Barbara, but if you want, I'll give you a ride for a couple of exits. And I said, thank you. Because I had a little song that UCSB. And I sat next to her, and she blasted up uh, 405. And uh, said, I have to get off in Mulholland, but um, I'm sure you'll get a ride from there. And she got off in Mulholland. And then I stood on the highway, and a couple of minutes later, a, a VW van with uh, psychedelic paint all over it pulled over. And they said, yeah, we're going up to Santa Barbara. And it was Iron Butterfly. No way. So, <laughs> oh, my gosh. In the Gata de Vida, baby. I got in the van with Iron Butterfly. And then, of course, I went to the concert that night. So that was an amazing, amazing adventure. You know, the footnote to it is a bit of a sad one. The woman who picked me up was Sharon Kate. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. So, you know, I think I'm always reminded of the Kinks song, which is those who are successful be always on your guard. Success walks hand in hand with failure down Hollywood Boulevard. Wow. Oh my gosh. That is absolutely incredible. Iron Butterfly and Sharon Tate. My goodness, Jim, you must pinch yourself every day you wake up uh, the life that you've lived. It's absolutely amazing. Before I let you go today, would you share maybe, I know you've got some great words of inspiration, wisdom, uh, success quote or mantra you could share with our listeners? Yes, um, I would say that failure is not the worst thing that can happen to you. Not following a dream, no matter what happens, is something that you really, really will regret. My advice would be, don't be afraid. Go for it and uh, enjoy the journey. So that's really how I would like to finish up. Yeah, absolutely. So one last thing with you, and I'm going to put links to Jim's website. You've got to go check it out if you've not already been there, glickenhouseracing.com. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, If you had to pick maybe one or two things you're looking forward to seeing this uh, Pebble Beach Car Week and the Pebble Beach Concours, what would it be? What's got you excited for what's coming up for all of us in a few weeks? Well, I think it's just the incredible eclectiveness of the cars that you see during Car Week. And that you see uh, men and women and boys and girls who love cars, enjoying themselves and uh, having a good time. And I would just hope that uh, people realize there are as many gems just in the parking lot as there are on the lawn and just enjoy each and every one of them. 
This is a phenomenal week that's coming up. If you've not done Car Week, Pebble Beach, Concord, add it to your bucket list. If one thing the last couple of years have taught us is life is fleeting, uh, you got to join Jim and I and all the incredible, inspiring automotive enthusiasts that are going to be there this year. Jim, hey, thanks for taking time out of your very busy schedule. Awesome to talk with you again. I cannot wait to see you in Pebble Beach until you and I talk again. I'll see you on the lawn at the Pebble Beach Concord Elegance. Thank you so much. And, uh, just keep rocking. Absolutely, my friend. You take care. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Yeah.